It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, you're very welcome along to this special edition of the Group Chat podcast. Joseph Pushka has been found guilty of the murder of school teacher Ashling Murphy at the Grand Canal in Tullamore, County Offaly in January of 2022. Miss Murphy was a talented folk musician her killing caused widespread shock and prompted vigils across Ireland and around the world. Speaking outside court in Dublin on Thursday, Ashling's boyfriend, Ryan Casey, described her as vibrant, intelligent and a shining light. From day one, the outpouring of love and support was felt in abundance from the Irish people, both on a national and international level, as they stood in solidarity with our family to both mourn the loss of our beautiful, talented Ashling and to condemn gender-based brutality with visceral repulsion. Ashley was a vibrant, intelligent and highly motivated young woman who embodied so many great traits and qualities of the Irish people and its communities. Her life had a huge impact on so many of those around her and she was the epitome of a perfect role model for every little girl to look up to and strive to be. Our court's correspondent Deborah Naylor has covered the trial throughout. I started by asking her this evening about those emotional scenes outside the criminal courts of justice. Deborah, we heard from the family and the boyfriend of, of, of Ashling Murphy outside court today. People have been talking about this case for so long at this point in time, now at its conclusion, but there are people left behind still grieving after everything that's happened here. Family, it's, it's clear to see are naturally still absolutely devastated um, by Ashling's murder and they have had to endure for almost the past months one of the most um difficult harrowing trials i think um any family could go through because the evidence in it was 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 so visceral um you know we saw ashleen's last moments just around half an hour and um, before she was killed on january 12th last year we heard from eyewitnesses who actually came upon her murder uh, there was exhibits produced in court of what Ashley was wearing on the day she was killed. It really has been just the most difficult case. And I think the random, senseless nature of this attack, um, and as we heard again and again, there was no connection between Ashley Murphy and Joseph Pushka. This was a random attack. It could have been any other young woman old woman, anyone else who was out walking along the Grand Canal that day. But unfortunately for the family of Ashley Murphy, um, it, it was her and he pleaded guilty and then they had to endure this trial. Joseph Pushka, as you say, uh, Deborah, like that is something which I think is, is, is one of the reasons why we've had such a huge reaction to it, is that despite all of the weeks of evidence that we've heard, all of the overwhelming and compelling evidence that we've heard, we still at this point don't know why he did this. We don't and I don't think we will probably ever know why he did this. Um, you know, we know the other details. We know the when, we know the where, we know everything else. But his motive for this attack is unknown. Um, and, you know, as I said, they didn't know one another. Um, this was seemingly a, a random killing. And I think perhaps that's what's so galling to many people. It's just really hard uh, to get your head around how someone could carry out such violence, how he could, you know, stab someone um, whom he had never met before 
um, 11 times um, in, in broad daylight. It really was just such a shocking crime. And I think that's why we saw such reaction to it in January last year. That's I think so many people were just so upset by it um, right across the country because there was that feeling that it could have been anyone's sister, anyone's girlfriend, anyone's daughter. Um, and there was also that feeling that it just made no sense. Like what what was the point of this? Um, and, and it really just is is the saddest case. And Deborah, you sat through the case over the last, how many days in total? Was it 17 days in total was the case? Yes, I believe day, today was 17. day 17 of the evidence. Yeah. So you sat through this. At what stage do you think it was becoming very clear that, you know, this was leaning towards a guilty, you know, a guilty verdict? I mean, was it obvious throughout the time? Was it perhaps when he took the stand? At what point did you start to realise, based on your analysis, that this was looking like it was going to be a guilty verdict? It's kind of hard to say, I suppose, because I can't put myself in, in the frame of mind of a, a jury member. But no, I, I do think it was it was very clear from the outset um, what way this case was going. I mean, the prosecution um, you know, referred to the evidence as, as overwhelming. Um, and prosecution counsel Amory Lawler, you know, she delivered um a very powerful opening statement outlining the evidence in the case and the evidence there was DNA evidence. Um, Joseph Pushka's DNA was found underneath Ashley's fingernails. His bike was found at the murder scene. The prosecution had a confession, and um, he confessed to the murder two days um, after Ashley was killed uh, while he was in hospital. Um, and there was eyewitness evidence. So I think there was an abundance of evidence in this case. Um, and then what you had was Yosef Pushka, who was someone, as the prosecution put it, lied. And he lied to Gardi throughout the investigation. He then came up with, with more lies in court. He lied on oath in the witness stand, claiming that he had uh, tried to, in fact, help Ashley Murphy on the day of her murder. Um, and I think... The, the fact that the jurors came back after one hour and 54 minutes of deliberations gives you an indication of exactly where their heads were at. I don't think they were under any illusions that they were going to return, you know, any other kind of verdict. I think they were quite clear on the verdict they were going to return. And they did that emphatically after a very short time. Uh, Deborah, nobody could fail to be moved by what we heard from Ashling Murphy's brother and boyfriend when they were speaking outside court today following the, the guilty verdict being handed down. We haven't obviously, for understandable reasons, heard anything about the conduct of the family uh, in the course of all of this. Have they been sitting through all of this evidence and was it possible to gauge how they felt hearing such sensitive evidence being presented in court? Yeah, they were, Gavin. They were present in court every every single day. Um and I suppose doing my job, you have to be professional. Our job is to present the evidence um, you know, to present the facts as they're heard in court. And you have to be incredibly careful doing that um, during a trial that, you know, that you are obviously factually correct and that uh, you were very objective in your reporting. But I mean, it was very hard in this case, um, I suppose, just not just to feel so sad for the family um it just was absolutely devastating to watch them and in particular um there was one day it was the day when the prosecution was closing its case um, and they were showing an infographic of CCTV images and it was the they were basically putting these images on a map to give the jury some context and obviously Ashleen's family hadn't been given any warning but that that still image that was taken from CCTV of her walking 
along the canal in her pink bobble hat at five to three that afternoon, which would have been 35 minutes before she was killed. Um, Ashley's mother just broke down in court when she heard that. And it was just it was it was just so difficult and harrowing to listen to. And the judge, when the jury actually left the room, um, had to say in, in the kindest way that he said, you know, I know it takes some kind of superhuman effort um, on the family's parties that I, 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 he he knew how difficult it was for them, but he you know he couldn't have any of those kind of interruptions in court. Um, all again because Yosef Pushka had to receive a fair trial in this case. Um, so yeah, I just don't think we can underestimate how difficult it was for them, but the strength for all of them. Um, to you know, to come out today and to face what was effectively a wall of media, um, outside the criminal courts of justice, just standing um on the steps. There were so many reporters and cameras, and they obviously, uh, they wanted to speak about Ashleen, and we heard from her brother and um from her her boyfriend and delivered um those very poignant remarks, uh, speaking about her, saying that she was the epitome of a role model for for young girls and talking about, you know, how she lived her life and really just giving us an even better sense of who Ashleen was, someone who was just loved so much by all of her family and by all of her friends, someone who's so embedded in her community. I think it was incredibly clear just how loved Ashleen was by not only everyone in her family, but the wider community as well. And she was someone who was so embedded in that community through music and sport and through a job as a primary school teacher. And it just really brought home just what a devastating loss her her death has been. I, w- I would just echo that probably as well, actually, Deborah, because I was saying to, to Richard and Gav before we came on the record tonight that that was really clear from the minute we arrived on the scene, uh, like less than 24 hours after Ashling had been murdered. You know, I was in Tullamore and, you know, from the moment we arrived, um, her colleagues in the school, first of all, welcomed us into the school with open arms and they were so incredibly uh, open about Ashling and they just wanted to be able to give her an identity and actually tell her story. And I think that that was a really key difference probably in what we've seen in, in cases gone before and maybe one of the main reasons why the public had an opportunity to connect uh, with Ashling's family and friends and colleagues because they did her justice they gave her an identity you know they spoke about her they told stories about her um, and you know within those first couple of days we really got a sense of the person that Ashling was um, and you know it was throughout the couple of days that we were there covering the various different vigils and people will have seen the pictures of the vigils, um, you know, and, and the outpouring of grief in Tullamore. It was really clear to us that there was huge dignity and grief there that, that the people of Tullamore had really, you know, wanted to kind of put their best foot forward as as a place and as a as a community to stand shoulder to shoulder with Ashling's parents. I remember going down to the to the village the night before a funeral and they had swept every inch of the roads. I mean I'd never I'd never seen a village so tidy or so clean. And you know, I remember speaking to some of the locals and they said, This is all we can do. All we can do is our best and and, and you know make sure that the family feel like we we've put our best foot forward for them. And it was you know, I think a lot of that and a lot of our understanding of Ashling's story and, and this case came from that community, came from her friends and family who were so generous in, in sharing their accounts and their stories about her. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And I think perhaps then when it comes to the trial process and the prosecution referred to this at the very outset, they said, you know, galling as it may be, 
Um, they said Ashley Murphy, she was a 23-year-old primary school teacher from Cully who went out exercising um, on January 12th, is the day she was killed. But you will not hear much more about her because they said the trial wasn't about her. It was about Joseph mm. Pushka and whether or not he was the person who committed murder. And I think that's... You know the, the the victim of any of a murder is 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 forgotten, or a victim of a killing is forgotten uh, during the trial process because that is not what the trial process is about. But certainly, um, to, to I suppose echo what you've been saying there, the dignity of the Murphy family throughout this case was mm. was evident, and they sat in in the courtroom. Um, so dignified in everything, you know, every bit of evidence that they had to listen to difficult and all as it was. Um, and they, I think, just really wanted um, to get today to today and to get that justice um, for Ashleen. But as her brother Cottle said this evening, you know, the judicial process, they said, you know, that can't bring our darling Ashleen back. And they said that that can't heal their wounds but they said that they were relieved that, you know, it delivers that, you know, justice for them has been delivered. And Yosef Pushka will now face a mandatory life sentence for murder. And, you know, next week, the family at the sentence hearing, uh, which is taking place next Friday, they will finally have their opportunity um, in victim impact statements, which they will deliver to the court to to speak about Ashleen and to to speak and reflect on on the person she was and the the hole that has been left in their lives um, as a result of her loss. Just on, you know, the family and how they have conducted themselves with huge dignity all the way through that. I mean, people will remember, of course, even, you know, Ashling's father, you know, playing her favourite song on the banjo uh, at one of those vigils at the outset of all of this, you know, just incredible heart-rending moment. People will have attended vigils, not just in Ireland, but in London, outside the embassy in London and other places around the world. People will have shown the impact of this to them. How did that impact and the wide-ranging interest, Deborah? how did that play out during the trial? Because obviously there was a huge amount of press coverage. You said there was a wall of reporters there when the family came out. There was podcasts, you know, about this trial on a day-to-day -day basis from the second it began. That must be quite unusual, even for a trial of this amount of, you know, of scale and, and the horror of what, of what was uh, detailed in court. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's uh, there was certainly an absolutely, you know, the, the interest in this trial can't be understated, the media interest. It was referred to actually by the judge before the jury was even sworn in um, because uh, he referred to the fact that, you know, this case had attracted a huge amount of publicity, a huge amount of uh, media attention. And indeed, actually, he said a huge amount of media commentary as well. Um, and I, he actually said to the potential jurors, he didn't want anyone to serve on the jury um, if they had uh, been someone who had posted anything online about the case, that if there was, this was going to cause problems down the line. And um, I think fortunately in Ireland, we have a very um, uh, robust media when it comes to court reporting. Um, court reporting is, you know, strictly factual. Um, it is based on what, what is heard in court on any given day. Um, and I think the media were very careful to do that. Um, and, you know, it, this was something that the Murphy family actually referred to this evening. Um, Cahill Murphy said they wanted to thank the media for their accurate reporting of the case. But then they did ask that uh, their privacy be respected, he said, at this time as as they come to terms um, with everything that has happened. But the interest in this case has been 
absolutely huge. And I think that is is for a number of factors. I think that is because of the the random nature of this attack, as I referred to earlier, because I think for many people it was so hard um, to get their heads around. Um, and then during the trial, we had Joseph Pushka um, telling a giving his own version of events and effectively telling lies. And I think perhaps people were concerned that this was something um, that the jury may believe. Um, but ultimately, uh, the jury were you know uh, firm in their convictions and finding him guilty of murder. Just going back to the very start of the trial, Deborah, people might remember that the date that was originally reported for uh, proceedings beginning in this trial wasn't actually the date in which evidence began to be presented. Um, now that things have wrapped up, you're in a position to give us some insight into what was actually going on in court in the two weeks before the, the public hearings actually began. Was there was a two weeks? Uh, there was two weeks of a pre-trial hearing before the trial got underway, um, and that is is quite common. Actually, it happens in most cases now. That's just an opportunity for both legal sides to, um, well, the prosecution will flesh out their case, and they, I suppose, they work through any potential issues. With the purpose of that being that it'll kind of stop the delays when the case does go to trial. So it stops a scenario where you're sending the jury off for, for days at a time to deal with legal argument. Um, but in fact, actually, much of the pre-trial hearings in this case, everything was effectively nearly heard uh, before the jury. Um, I don't recall there was that many issues which the judge actually um ultimately uh, ruled against. So a lot of the, the pre-trial hearings were focused on um, the CCTV evidence. So that was an important part of the case. Uh, the CCTV evidence, which the prosecution said showed Joseph Pushka following two women around Tullamore on the day of the murder. Um, and and uh, we saw that CCTV in, in the pre-trial hearings. Um, Again, a lot, a lot of focus on his um, so-called or his so-called his confession to Gardaí while he was in uh, James's hospital, and that was on the evening of the fourteenth uh, of January, twenty twenty-two. So two days after Ashley had been killed, but that was a these these issues made it before the jury, and they were hashed out um, during the trial. Um, so it wasn't a case where. Uh, we heard a lot of evidence in the pre-trial hearings, which ultimately didn't make it to trial. I just want to bring you some of the feedback because so many people have been obviously, you know, expressing their condolences to Ashton's family today and speaking about how they feel and the outcome of all of this. And, you know, uh, just one message that came in from one of the podcast listeners, her name is Nadia, really does just sum up, I think, the sentiment of a lot of women in this country today. She says, I still think of Ashling a lot. I don't know her, but as women, we always have our wits about us. It makes me so angry that she couldn't safely go for a run after work. She should still be alive. And I think that really sums up a lot of what women are feeling today, Deborah, in terms of this. This is probably, in some ways, hope that justice can can prevail in all of this. Yeah, and that was something that the uh, Justice Minister actually referred to this evening. Um, Helen McEntee's, you know, she's in in a statement earlier today or at some point this evening said that her, her thoughts were with the Murphy family. Um, and she said that, you know, her murder moved the country to act and to demand an end to violence against women. Um, and of course, unfortunately, Ashleen Murphy is not the only woman who has been um, murdered in Ireland. There have been many more and sadly there there will be others in future in future. But what um Carl Murphy said this evening that it was simply imperative um that this monster can never harm any 
other woman again. Um, so Yosef Pushka has been brought to justice and I think um, that is important, but I can also completely understand that the sentiments of a lot of women this evening because, yeah, if we bring ourselves back to, to January last year, I think we can probably all remember where we were, um, you know, when we heard this absolutely shocking news and, and, and what unfolded in the days after. That was Deborah Naylor, our courts correspondent here at Virgin Media News. Thank you for listening to the group chat. We'll be back next week. If you've been affected by any of the issues in this programme, Women's Aid is available at 1800 341 900.